Hello, CBP. We appreciate you. In just a moment, we're going to dive into a conversation with members of the South Carolina Brewers Guild. We hope this session excites you to experience South Carolina firsthand, and we look forward to continuing the conversation this December 4th through 6th, when we will be hosting CBP Connects in the city of Charleston. You can learn more and register at cbpconnects.com. See you there. Cheers. Hey, everybody. We are very excited to be launching a brand new series where we partner with state guilds to take a closer look and dive into their current successes, challenges, and state-level trends. So often, we have a strong pulse on what's going on in our home states and even on the national level. And we hope these conversations can offer you with valuable insights into what your next-door neighbors and not-so-next-door neighbors are facing. And today, we've got South Carolina. And Pierce, because you are to the right of me, I'd love to tell everybody, you to tell everybody about what you do in the world of South Carolina beer. Sure. I am Pierce Fleming. I'm in Common House Ale Works in North Charleston, South Carolina. And right now, I have the privilege of serving as the president of the South Carolina Brewers Guild. Well, awesome. Thanks again for being here, Pierce. And when did you all open the brewery? Uh, we opened in January of 2018. So we just celebrated five years earlier, earlier this year. Awesome. Well, congrats on that. And thanks for being here. Campbell, you're up. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. My name is Campbell Mims. I have the opportunity to serve as the executive director for the South Carolina Brewers Guild. So I've been in this role for about uh, 11 months now. Well, congrats, Campbell. And how many breweries are currently in South Carolina operating breweries? So we've got about 140 licensed breweries in South Carolina, according to our regulatory agency that actually keeps those records in South awesome. Carolina. Excited to see that grow. And we're hosting CBP Connects there in Charleston this December. So excited to come experience it myself. Absolutely. Look Terry, to you're up. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, I'm Terry Horner. I'm the owner of Liability Brewing Company in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I am the vice president of the Brewers Guild, and uh, we've been open for uh, five years this month. So we've got our anniversary party. What are you going to do for the big anniversary, Terry? Uh, we've got a lot of special beers lined up, uh, some some newly themed merchandise and, and swag and, and everything. And we're just throwing an anniversary party. We're in kind of a, a shopping center um, little complex. And we've got a couple neighbors barbecue and other places that it's their anniversary as well. So we kind of throw this giant block party and invite the, invite the whole, uh, whole town, basically. Sounds like a good time. So when you and Pierce opened in 2018, approximately how many breweries were open in Carolina, South Carolina? That's a great question. I don't know that I know in South. If you Carolina. had to throw out a random number, I'm not going to know if you're wrong. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, I do know these numbers. Um, so in South Carolina, there, uh, Campbell mentioned the total number in the Charleston area where I am. There are now 42 breweries. Wow. Um, when I was writing the business plan for Common House, there were four. Uh, we purpose built our brewery. So when we broke ground, we would have been the eighth brewery in town if we had opened our doors that day. But in the nine months it took us to build out, eight more came online. So we were the 16th brewery in Charleston, uh, opened in 2018. I'll, I'll take it, Pierce. <laughs> so rapid, Cam- very rapid growth across the last uh, 10, 12 years. Obviously. Yeah, it's really fantastic to hear. I mean, Campbell, you're the newest to the beer world in South Carolina. You said 11 months, right? That's right. What attracted you to wanting to be the executive director of a Brewers Guild? I mean, I think it was an opportunity that 
fell in my lap 11 months ago that I couldn't really pass up for the opportunity that I've been given. Um, so to be able to work in this association, you know, in this industry and, and being able to push a legislative agenda forward. I mean, for a guy like me, who's 24 years old, that's a pretty big, um, that's a pretty big shoes to fill, but it's also been a fantastic opportunity for me. And so 11 months ago, if you had asked me what I know today, it would have been almost nothing. Uh, but 11 months later, I think because these two guys are on the screen here today, and a lot of others that are also in our membership and our association as well. Um, I would like to think that I've, I've at least become somewhat of a novice. I'm definitely not an expert and I don't even consider myself a moderate level, but I at least have a baseline knowledge that's able to, um, you know, present our message and what we want to do in our hardships to policymakers and external stakeholders that's able to kind of push our message forward. So um, it's been a great experience so far. I can only imagine. No, no, Pierce and Terry, you know, what attracted you most about bringing Campbell on? Oh, that's an interesting okay. question. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Um, so from, from my standpoint, um, that, you know, running a guild is, is difficult. And we were in the situation through COVID where we basically had to start over with, with our guild. And Pierce and I were, you know, uh, heavily involved in that. And so what we were looking for was, we needed we needed somebody that could run this, manage us essentially, um, make sure that the business of the guild continued while we were off running our breweries. Um, you know, basically fill in all the gaps that we didn't. I'm going to say didn't don't have time for all the time. I think that's the most uh, honest assessment of it. And that we we knew we need we knew we needed someone who was great at communicating with uh, folks. Campbell had been. Uh, had led an association previously. And so his experience was great, communications background. And I mean, then we interviewed him and he, he, he checked all the boxes. So it's been a great experience working with him thus far. Love it. Pierce, any additional thoughts there? I uh, totally agree. Uh, I, I think um, running an association, running our guild and, and the work that goes into, you know, operating the guild is very different than running your brewery. Um, and, you know, uh, I think all of us on the board had to, you know, really look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, especially during COVID, my full-time job is being here and being with my team here and running the brewery here, Terry's at liability. Um, and so we needed somebody with a lot of energy, um, enthusiasm, the ability to communicate, rally people around ideas and that sort of thing. Um, and Campbell had done that in another association um, and uh, we were thrilled to, to have him join. Campbell, isn't it fun to bring people together? It is. It really is. And I mean, as uh, you know, any trade association, I think the whole goal is, you know, you should be trying to provide as many resources and as many opportunities for your for your members to be educating themselves, but also the resources that we're providing. I think is a guild today in 2023. And Pierce and Terry have been around long enough to I think they could agree with this. And thanks to their help and the rest of the board's help, I mean, I think we have done a complete 180 of what we were providing, you know, years ago when this guild was first started to today um, and how far we've come in, in the resources and the benefits that our members are getting. So it, it really is. It helps it. It makes it a lot easier to bring folks together whenever you're able to see the work that's, that's come to fruition. So, Campbell, when they first brought you on, what were those first items on the to do list that they wanted you to knock off? 
I, I distinctly remember one of my first tasks being a history lesson in South Carolina beer from Pierce Fleming and Terry Horner. So from these two gentlemen on here, I think I was down in Key West, Florida, believe it or not, on vacation, I think my second week on the job and was sitting in a parking lot down on uh, Key Largo at the beach and was taking a virtual call and uh, had a whole run through of where South Carolina had been, you know, from from the 90s, kind of on the birth of the craft beer scene up until, you know, very recently. And so I think, you know, there were a lot of things I think that I would have said, oh, I'm going to I'm going to put this on my to do list to get done. But I think the board really was just get your feet wet, you know, learn about the industry, learn about the membership, get to know the issues, because until you do that, until you meet folks and build that trust, especially being somebody so new coming in, uh, I knew myself personally, they didn't necessarily tell me this, but I knew that I wouldn't get very far without doing that. And so one of my first tasks was really trying to build that trust within the membership, trying to connect with as many members as I could connect with my board members um, so that I did have that credibility moving forward to be able to do the important work that we've been doing the last 12 months. So, so Campbell and everyone, you know, looking at the history of South Carolina beer, who is the oldest brewery in the state of South Carolina? How long are we talking? Well, Palmetto Brewing would be the oldest in the state. Um, uh, they opened in the nineties in, in Charleston. Um, you know, there's there's been some others. Uh, Thomas Creek certainly been very, very uh, um, influential in the upstate. And, you know, you find or at least in my experience, I think it's this way in, in any business. There are industry makers, if you will. Uh, and Palmetto certainly has been that in the Charleston area. I would dare say Thomas Creek has in the upstate as well, because most of the folks in the upstate of South Carolina can trace their lineage of people working there somehow, some way to the team at Thomas Creek. Um, but I, I would tell you, um, most all of us, especially if you've been around for a while, understand that we owe a huge debt of gratitude to uh, Jamie Tenney and Dave Merritt of Coast Brewing uh, here in North Charleston, um, because Jamie was really, they're a husband and wife dynamic duo, um, and Jamie in really uh, for the love of the craft and of Dave's dream to uh, have his own brewery. Um, she, she modeled uh, our pop the cap efforts after those in North Carolina uh, back in the mid 2000s. And that was the, uh, the first, and I would say still most monumental change that occurred in South Carolina that started to open the doors to more craft brewing. Effectively, before then, you could not make a beer over 5% ABV in South Carolina. Um, and so uh, she, <laughs> uh, I, I often have to remind myself, Jamie did as a, as a guild and committee and team of one, what, you know, wow. five, 10, 12 of us do now as a board, along with a hundred, you know, odd members. What approximate time frame was that, Pierce? 2007 was, I believe, when the law was changed. So I, I, I could not tell you um, with absolute certainty how many years she'd been working on it, but at, at least two or three. Now, Terry, from your perspective, when did craft beer really take off in South Carolina? Uh, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm not a, a South Carolina native like Pierce's, but uh, I can tell you I got here in 2012 and it was there was some beginnings of it at that point but i think around the time frame that that pierce was mentioning like when i when i wrote my business plan i think i started it in 2016 
Um, we, we started to see some breweries open up around Greenville and upstate and elsewhere, you know, Charleston grew faster, uh, than, than the rest of the state did. That's when I really, as a beer consumer, as a beer lover, um, really started taking notice. And one of the, you know, one of the reasons that, that I, I love beer and home brewer and same similar background as Pierce and a lot of brewers. Um, one of the reasons we opened is we said like South Carolina is kind of lacking, um, you know, in, in great craft beer, there's not, you know, tons of breweries like there is in Asheville or other places. And so that, that was kind of the impetus to, um, to, to get things going. But there was also some law changes in, I believe it was 2015 was the stone or somewhere around there. 13, I believe. 13. Okay. So that was really the impetus behind all of the, the rapid growth that we've experienced. What were those laws that changed around that time? Yeah. So um, the the stone bill, as we affectionately call it, um, you know, uh, like I mentioned, Dave and, and, and Jamie worked diligently to pop the cap. You started to have uh, some breweries start to roll onto the scene. Uh, Holy City Brewing here in Charleston will celebrate, I believe, 12 years here um, in a couple of weeks. Um, so you saw some growth 2010, 2013, but, and Terry might be right. It might've been 2015, but somewhere 2013 to 2015, you had the breweries out West to start looking for East coast hubs. So you had Oscar blues come to Brevard, North Carolina, Sierra Nevada built in Mills river outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And, uh, the, the, the gorilla in the room became stone brewing was looking to create a new world beer garden, world of beer gardens or whatever they call it. And um, uh, very, very smartly, some um, key leaders at the time in the guild, um, along with the executive director at the time, Brooke Bristow, um, moved from focusing on our work uh, as an alcohol producer, uh, from an alcohol producer slant to an economic development slant. And that got people like the Department of Commerce in uh, Columbia, the, the state capital here in South Carolina, involved looking to recruit stone brewing to South Carolina, specifically the Charleston area. To do that was going to require uh, very specific changes to the state law. Um, at the time, before that bill passed, there was no real concept of a tap room in South Carolina. Um, you could do a tasting and a tour, and people could take beer to go. Um, but you could not uh, serve pints, uh, certainly uh, freely serve pints to people. But the way Stone's uh, uh, facility in Escondido works, obviously they have a huge restaurant, they have guest taps, they serve wine and liquor. And, um, and so the Stone Bill, as we affectionately called it, a past laws to give producers in what we are here in South Carolina as a mandatory three-tier state to give us as producers more rights akin to retailers so that we could run a retail outlet out front to help balance our margins, uh, blend our margins. Um, and, uh, and, and so it, it, it's worked very well. And that was when you saw a lot of takeoff um, of breweries. Well, I hate to tell you, Pierce, but they ended up in my state of Virginia. <laughs> yes, they did. But I'm yes. glad to help with your laws there. I absolutely did. So it sounds like, you know, consumers weren't having the full immersive taproom experience until then. You know, 
I'd love to learn a little bit about the South Carolina beer consumer and how it's evolved since, you know, talking 2016-ish. Oof. I know, where do we begin on now? I mean, every state is always working on, I think, focusing on how we can best educate, you know, our, our citizens to drink our beer. Have there been any initiatives that have worked really well? And what do you feel it's like at the moment? Well, one of the things we've done in the last, we'll just do the second one this year. There, there have been beer festivals here in South Carolina in the past. Um, one big one, again, we talked about Jamie and uh, Tenney and J Dave Merritt. They at Coast, uh, in partnership with some other folks in Charleston, had a big, big beer festival called Brew Bible um, that really was successful for uh, many years. Um, I, I would dare say a lot of us miss it desperately. Um, but we brought back uh, the concept of a local beer festival uh, through the Guild, the Best of South Carolina Beer Festival in Columbia last year, and we'll do that again this fall. Um, so that is, that is one way we're trying to highlight, especially a lot of the new entrants to the market over the last several years. Now, looking at what the consumers want to drink, we all hear about national trends, but like Terry and Pearson, your tap rooms and those you talk with, you know, what are the styles consumers are seeking out? Is there anything that's surprising you in compared to national trends? Are we seeing all the same as we hear in, you know, in every state? No, I, I think it's, um, in, in, in my experience, uh, Charleston and Greenville are very two, two very different beer markets, uh, taste-wise. IPAs will dominate, you know, no matter what market you're in, obviously. But um, the, at the upstate, we have a large uh, European influence because BMW is here. And we have, uh, we also have the Southern, you know, sweet tea drinking type of folks, you know, that's a, a large a cultural influence down here. So some of the flavors that we end up with, um, personally, like our IPAs that are successful are a little bit less bitter than the ones that you might find out West or elsewhere. Um, you know, the, the lagers do really well up here, the German beers specifically. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an adventure figuring out our Belgians actually are our best selling beer. Um, it's a uh, it's an adventure figuring out the consumer's taste. But there's also, a, um, you know, the, the the market here, while Pierce and I have been around for five years now and, and some breweries longer, it's still really young compared to other states, especially like North Carolina. So I imagine you're still getting quite a people coming to tap rooms for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So on that side of things, I imagine events are probably something you all focus on in your tap rooms. Are there any certain types of activities that have been better at attracting, say, non-beer drinkers or non-craft drinkers to educate them on what, who you are and what you do? Well, for, for Common House specifically, we do a ton of community impact work. And so we do a lot in bringing organizations into the brewery, into the tap room, onto our grounds to uh use our platform to promote them that also has the benefit of getting people that may not come to a craft brewery out to experience our place um and sense of place is very important to us so it, it hopefully is a, a mutually beneficial activity yeah that's that's pretty common we do that as well no campbell go ahead i was gonna say you know in, in addition to you know, what i guess Common House and liability kind of on an individual member basis are doing to educate, you know, the wider community. I think what the Guild has done a good job of even before my time and maybe even before Pierce and Terry's time is kind of leaning on, um, you know, our, our corporate partners. So we like to call those our affiliates. And so we have a, about 50 plus affiliates who are your canning lines, your insurance companies, your, your law firms. 
and and these folks are really I look at them as as advocates in in each of these little communities and a lot of them are located in South Carolina some of them are located as, as you very well probably know Andrew like national companies that, that also have you know a presence here in South Carolina or won't have a presence and so I almost like to use our our affiliate members and 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 make sure that they know that they are a brand ambassador, kind of a brand advocate for what the South Carolina Guild is doing. And so I think, you know, kind of collaborating with them on what they're doing on a daily basis and their business model, and then workshopping that, running that parallel with what the, the Guild's goals and strategies are. I think you start to see individual consumers across the state saying, oh, wow, that law firm, you know, that I've, I've used for my real estate closings for the past couple of years, you know, they they, they have a presence in South Carolina Brewers Guild. They're an affiliate. I see them on their website. I see them on social media, you know, so you get you get some public awareness around both of those entities. But then people want to start digging into what is a guild? What is South Carolina craft beer? What who are the members? OK, where's my local brewery? And I think it's a domino effect. And I, I really think that we've seen that. At least I've seen that. And I, I think the board and Pearson Terry have seen that too the last the last couple of years as people are really starting to buy into you know, these these corporate partners that we've got on our side um, that are able to help us kind of achieve our mission and it only helps them and it helps us so it's, it's been been great. Campbell I love that so much because I mean CPP is in a weird way many ways like a guild and we rely on the support of our industry partners just like a guild does and they help make the world go round they help us do all the fun things we want to do for our members so Absolutely. huge thanks to all those partners out there. And you know, you all do a bit of events too, as a guild. I mean, you do a conference. Talk to me about what the guild does for events to bring people together. Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, you know, we 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 I like to say that we have two signature events every single year that kind of encompass our guild. And so, one happens at the first half of the year, one's at the second half of the year. We're coming up on the second half of the year, so you're getting ready to see the second annual Hop Forward Best of SC Craft Beer Festival take place on September 30th here in Columbia. So that's kind of our public facing event. You know, we really want to showcase 75 plus breweries um, in a space where the where the public kind of going back to that public awareness and engagement can come in and taste some great beer. And, and we're trying to every single year elevate the level of attractions and, and, and that we have and the amenities that we have for consumers to come in. So that's kind of our a, a signature consumer event. You look you look in the in the winter spring and we've got our conference and trade show, which is an industry only event. And I say industry only to mean it's our brewery members, it's our affiliate members, it's speakers, it's vendors. And it's really tied to the craft brewing industry here in South Carolina. I think arguably that event is probably more beneficial to our brewery members in terms of the level of education that they receive in the terms of level of updates, you know, with our advocacy work they receive, the level of collaboration and networking they receive. And so those are the two events that we kind of call our signature of what we do best here in South Carolina. One that's more geared towards the industry level of education and one that's geared towards educating our public. And then, you know, throughout the year, we also do, you know, some quarterly happy hours within South Carolina that's split up amongst the state. Um, that's an opportunity for our brewery members to get together with our affiliates, but also we bring in uh, local policymakers as well in order to kind of show them what does a brew house look like? What does a tap room look like? What's the day to day of how it's run? What's the economic impact? So it's really beneficial for us to be able to do those kinds of, you know, uh, I guess, feet in in the shoes kind of events to put people in the place where the business really happens. Now, I want to dive into something you finished with there, Campbell. I'm bringing in local legislators to some of these events, showing them how a brewery works. You know, how are you all building relationships with your state government and local governments? It, it is something that I think this guild has been very good at working on since it was founded in 2009. I think it's it's been it hasn't been a short term game. It's been a very long term game for us. 
And I think that what we've had to kind of lean into, as Pierce said, is, is really that economic development piece. You know, our, our leaders here in South Carolina are always going to be wanting to know how does this reinvest back into the state? How does this improve quality of life for South Carolina citizens? And I think that by showing uh, breweries, I think specifically, I'll give an example, specifically breweries that are coming to some rural communities here in South Carolina. I can point to my hometown of Sumter, for example. That The brewery that has, that has opened up in downtown Sumter has completely revitalized that entire downtown area, which there really was, before that, there really was not much there anymore. Shops had kind of moved off of downtown. The brewery has come back down there. More shops have opened up down there. You're seeing more business. You're seeing more foot traffic, which is then increasing other businesses' foot traffic and, and their, you know, for lack of a better word, their bottom line and revenue. And so I think that's what we've had to kind of lean into when we're talking to our leaders, um, but also showing them that these breweries that are in their districts and in their communities, they are community partners. I mean, they, as Pierce said, they they lean into sponsoring little, little, little league teams and blood drives and all kinds of different things. And I, I think that as we're able to preach that message a little bit and, and make sure that our leaders here in South Carolina know that these are not out-of-state businesses, these are locally owned, uh, locally sourced businesses that are that are providing quality of life to the constituents that they represent, it goes a long way for us to be able to continue to build that uh, relationship. No, absolutely. And, you know, Pierce and Terry, you both talked about some of the wins you all had in the mid 2010s, but for everyone, you know, what are some of the wins you've had recently or what are some of the legislative, you know, advances that you're really proud of right now? Yeah, we just had a big one. Um, well, brag about um, it, Terry. Yeah. I mean, Pierce talks better about this stuff than me, but, um we uh we just had signed into law uh what month is this now was that in june that this happened it feels like ages ago May. anyway i agree with soon. you um we had we had two things happen one we had a bonded transfer uh change in the state that would allow us to transfer beer between locations which wasn't a thing uh before and we'll well, a, a larger investment for a lot of uh, us brewery owners, it's something that will definitely change the, the game for folks in South Carolina. And then two, we um, we had a law change that now allows us to sell kegs to consumers directly from our breweries, which is also a huge, huge deal. We can sell up to a six hole and uh, we couldn't have done that previously. So, uh, yeah, those are those are two huge wins that um, that took all the effort we just described, you know, that we've been, since we've been talking so far, all that effort to get to uh, earlier this year. Congrats, that's awesome. What's the next battle to fight in the legislature? Are you able to share if not, will we get it? Well, there will, there will, uh, there will always be, so I mentioned South Carolina is a mandatory three-tier state. Yeah. Uh, our neighbor to the North, North Carolina, uh, does allow for uh, self-distribution. Um, and so in this state, there will always be a, a great amount of interest by small brewers uh, for, to earn the ability to uh, self-distribute their product to some level. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have worked very hard across the past year to, uh, well, a couple years to develop strong relationships with the South Carolina Beer Wholesalers Association. Um, uh, I am very pleased to be able to say they, they, they were not just, um, they, 
they did not, not only did they not stand in the way of the, of the bill we passed this year, but we were able to work very well with them in conjunction because at the end of the day, legislators, what they want to know is that all the stakeholders are coming to the table and can be in some sort of agreement. And you, to make it easy for legislators, you got to do a lot of work before you get into the state house uh, with the other stakeholders. And so, you know, the Wholesalers Association is a big one here. Um, and then we also have a very active uh, retailer association, um, some of which don't think anything of self-distribution, some of which very much uh, 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 want to keep things the way they are. So uh, we, we made a lot of strides in working with each other this year, and hopefully we'll be able to build on that uh, as we head into the future. Awesome. Thanks for that. No. Getting away from the legal side of things, are there any other challenges that South Carolina beer is currently facing that don't fall into that header? Hmm. I, you know, I, I would say, um, uh, you know, we are uh, the, because the, the industry here is not as advanced as in some of the other states, especially um, uh, uh, North Carolina, um, you know, we while while we do have a get a lot of great service from uh industry members in and when i say that i mean craft in general uh, the industry we get a lot of great service from those folks um, um we we don't have a lot of homegrown uh, there's a few nascent um providers i think we've got one malt house now uh in south carolina um, but there's opportunities there uh, as campbell mentioned from an economic development perspective you know, I mean, Terry brought up BMW, you know, BMW was a, was a game changer for the state of South Carolina because not only did you get BMW, but then you got all the suppliers to BMW came in. Same thing with Boeing here in Charleston. So very much something we're focused on in the craft beer industry. Uh, one of our board members, David Thornton, is very active with the agricultural community. Um, and he does some awesome work in talking with the farmers and the Farm Bureau around what we can do to be supporting South Carolina ag and that sort of thing from a craft. Yeah, dive industry. deeper into that one, Pierce. I'd love to learn more about. Oh, geez. Now I need David on the phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think some of the malt houses in North Carolina, Riverbend, Carolina, um, they would tell you it took a lot of work partnering with farmers to get the quality of the grains that were being grown where they needed it to be able to provide the quality malts they were looking to sell to craft brewing. Um, so David is very invested in that and, and working with farmers on that um, and, and getting the right um, kinds of uh, um, uh, agricultural engineering plants in South Carolina to be able to serve our needs better. And then also pushing South Carolina brewers to use as much South Carolina product as possible, especially when it comes to things we can use like fruit um and, and that sort of thing so um it is a real labor of love for him but it's an important subject for us as a guild as we look to kind of grow the entirety of the industry overall yep. and what fruits are south carolina no is known for peaches we do more peaches in south carolina than they do in georgia <laughs> <laughs> True. So on this call, I've been mindful always to say South Carolina versus just Carolina, because I'm in Virginia. So Carolina to me is North Carolina. But North Carolina is both of our neighbors. What type of relationship do you all have with brewers with the guild in your neighboring states? That's a great question. Um, 
from uh, speaking from from me personally, I think from our guild, I know Campbell's got a great relationship with the guild in the, all of those states, you know, all of our neighboring states. Um, the communities in both, especially in North Carolina, but in Georgia as well, have been very supportive of all the things we've been doing in South Carolina to grow. Um, they, you can call them up, walk in their breweries, ask them questions. They'll give you answers. I think that is, you know, part of what we all love about this this brewing community is um, everyone supports each other, and there's no there's no secrets, as it were. So, um, yeah, they've been very uh, very accepting, and you know, being in such close proximity, uh, you know, having having the them create the styles that they've created, and they kind of they kind of prime thing for things for us. It made it a little bit easier for folks to get adjusted to craft beer. Um, at the same time, they're, they're, they're very tough to compete with because they are larger than us and they have, you know, more flexible laws, but they're great. Um, I have a lot of great relationships with folks in Asheville and elsewhere. And, uh, we have a lot of fun with those folks. Yeah. A couple, couple, just to piggyback off of Terry, if I can, I mean, I think, one of the, the the best programs that the BA I think has um, in terms of being a national partner is is their statewide guild collaborative program. And so, you know, and, and Pierce and Terry and any of the board members can take advantage of this too, but I try to take it a lot of advantage of it as kind of a, the new guy in the industry, but I'm able to have, you know, bi-weekly calls and, and uh, in-person networking events in Madison, Wisconsin with the other 50 uh, and actually, it's more than that because there's some regional guilds as well in other states. But, you know, the 50 plus executive directors um, across the country, uh, people like Paul Leone with the New York State Brewer Association, Joseph Cortez in Georgia, Lisa Parker, in North Carolina. You know, these are folks that have been in the industry, you know, 5, 10, 15 years in the capacity as an, as an executive director. And so being able to for us here in South Carolina to have them as resources and to sometimes just ping them and say, hey, this is what's going on in South Carolina. What's going on in North Carolina? What's going on in New York? You know, how does this look in New York? How does this look in Virginia? It is super helpful for us to be able to have that relationship with the BA and with our other statewide guilds. Um, the other thing I'll say just very quickly is, you know, I, we've been a little bit more intentional recently about trying to work with some of the, even some of the regional guilds. So I'm looking at the, at the Charlotte Guild, um, the Charlotte Brewers Alliance. We, we've tried to, because a lot of our members up in the Rock Hill, York area, you are also kind of cross members in that in that uh, alliance as well. And so I've, I've tried to, to make it a point to have speaking opportunities for their leadership team to come down and speak at some of our regional meetings. We can cross share on that as well. So we're trying to be more intentional about how we're partnering with some of these statewide and national organizations as well. I think that's so important, Campbell. I truly do love everything you just said. Now, I want to dive a little bit deeper into what your guild stands for. You know, the past few years, we've worked towards creating a more inclusive, more welcoming, safer craft beer industry. I saw that the guild has a code of conduct. You know, tell me more about how this came to be, why it's important to you, what it entails. Yeah, so um, obviously, I mean, you mentioned, Andrew, the, the, the inclusivity in this industry. I know to Pierce and I and the and the guild, we, we wanted to set an example that um, we we do things the right way here, and we believe that everybody should be involved, and every everybody should have the same opportunity to be involved in this community, and because it, it really is a community. And at the same time, you know, there's uh, we we live uh, in the south, and there's some folks who uh, have different opinions and. It sometimes makes it difficult as an you know an organization of um, 
conquerors or rebels by nature, I would venture, uh, you know, I would, I would say. Um, it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to get all those opinions in one room and to get folks to agree to be civil to each other or to treat everybody how, you know, they expect to be treated. And so this was something that we wanted to put together to say, like, look, we're, we're an organization that believes in this community and believes in everybody and um, believes in, uh, you know, having, holding ourselves to a higher standard than, um, you know, maybe like a social organization or something else would. And show that we also, um, you know, protect our membership against any of, you know, potential issues that might arise. So, you know, codes of conduct are um, are one of the things that are hard, uh, easy to talk about, but difficult to implement and enforce. And so we were we were very deliberate. We, I mean, the BA's got a ton of great resources around this. We. Um, we use the BA as the, the guidepost for this. Um, but yeah, it was largely just, a we, we wanted to, we want, if, if, if you want to take somebody seriously, they have to, you know, be professional. And, um, we, we saw that as one of our, uh, the cornerstones of what we were trying to build here. I think that's really important, Terry. Now to go back to something we talked about a little earlier, it seems like there's quite a few different regions of beer in the state of South Carolina. How do you combat that regionalism? I mean, Campbell, you mentioned like the Guild Conference, you do like the quarterly meetups, but how do you build that connectivity between everyone in South Carolina beer, no matter where you are? Yeah, I, I can I can speak kind of what we do as a Guild regionally, and then, you know, let Pierce and Terry kind of speak to maybe some individualism on that. Um, you know, we decided as a, as a board and as a Guild about a year ago that, as a state that is still not as large as other states. I mean, in terms of the number of breweries, in terms of the landmass, we still wanted to divide our state up into regions to give kind of that individual flair to what those regions are doing. Um, so, you know, we have five different regions across the state, uh, upstate Midlands, upstate, of course, is your Greenville area, where Terry is, Low Country's down where Pierce is, Midlands area here in Columbia, where I am, PD, which is kind of out towards, you know, the beach and, and that part of the state. And then we have one that's, uh, or York County kind of near Charlotte area. It's called the upper Palmetto area because there is such a large concentration of breweries right out there next to Charlotte. And so I think one of the things I've noticed in being able to travel to these regional meetings and get to, to, to uh, have conversations with all the members in these regions is that they are very individual, but, I, but even one of the ideas that we've just recently come up with in order to kind of tie each of these regions together and tie that regional flair together is we have an annual Brewers Cup every single year, which is a beer competition amongst our guild members. And so we've recently come up with an idea actually from one of our board members um, to have each region brew a collab beer and be able to actually submit that regional beer to our Brewers Cup competition. And so that is something that I've seen a lot of excitement from, from our regional heads, from our regional members in terms of something that creates a little bit of buy-in amongst everybody, but also kind of creates a friendly competition amongst the state of which region is going to have the best beer to be entered in the South Carolina Brewers Cup. So that's what I've seen from a guild perspective, but I think Pierce and Jerry could probably speak to, you know, what in, in specific in their regions. I hope you're on mute, Andrew. That That is the first time I've had to tell a, a host you're on mute. I know. I feel really silly doing it. The dog was barking a second ago. I didn't want to interrupt Campbell there. But I, I was saying, Campbell, you know, which region's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Pierce, I'll throw it back to you. Pierce, your turn. <laughs> I, I, you know, I love traveling them all. They're all. Awesome. Um, 
No, I think the, the, the most important thing we do and that we we're starting to develop cadence around is our annual trade show where we bring everybody together. Um, what's really fun is to see the breweries that invest in sending folks to that, how much all the teams at the individual breweries enjoy being together. Cause you know, I mean, we see each other every once in a while in the market and that sort of thing. Obviously we see each other a lot, low country folks, but still not as much as we would like because we're all invested in our breweries. And, um, you know, that is one thing that, that, uh, I think COVID took away from us. And I would dare say that's probably not a South Carolina issue. That's a nationwide issue is one of the major things craft beer had going for it for, before COVID were, were collaborations and collaborative efforts. And then COVID took that away. And that's just something I think that, you know, we at Common House have tried to focus on. I know the Guild is focused on is how do we recapture that magic? Because at the end of the day, you're never going to see the macro beer makers collaborate with each other company to company, maybe brand to brand, uh, like some ill-fated advertisement in the Super Bowl this year that nobody could figure out. But you're not going to see a, you know, or, or I'll probably eat my words on this, but I doubt you're ever going to see a Budweiser Coors uh, you know, collaboration beer. Um, but you see that all the time in craft beer. And it's just something that we've got to get back to. It gets us out of our own facilities and into each other's places of work. And um, so I think from a guild perspective, the trade show has been a huge win uh, for getting everybody together. Yeah. And I would, I would uh, add on top of that, that one of the advantages that we have um, being a small state, which, you know, sometimes that folks wouldn't say that's an advantage, but one of the advantages we have is that we can pretty much, anyone can get to any corner of the state in a couple hours. And having that trade show as the central point where we meet up, we, you know, there is no, you, you joked about, you know, uh, competition between regions. I, I really don't feel that, um, honestly, because we are, we're all in everybody's backyard all the time and we can easily, I can, I'm gonna see Pierce next week uh, in person. And, you know, it's really easy to, to hang out like that. He says that until it comes time to brew that collaboration beer uh, for the Greenville area. No one wants to be number two. <laughs> Something tells me collaboration is going to be a theme in this state series. So I'm looking forward to hearing what other states are doing as well. And it's been awesome to hear what you all are doing. That's you know, creating a more successful South Carolina craft beer community. But, you know, for every industry professional listening right now, you know, people go to a lecture, people go to a conference. They don't remember a whole lot sometimes, unfortunately. If they could remember one thing from today's conversation about South Carolina beer, what would you want it to be? Remember, you're talking to industry professionals, not consumers. So I would love to hear what you think that takeaway should be. I'll give you mine. Um, in a world in which, you know, craft beer is definitely on a downturn. You know, I think we all got the two by four to the face at, at CBC this year. Um, please don't forget that the rising tide still lifts all boats and that the more we can do together and the more we can do as guilds working with partners like affiliate businesses and state agencies, whatever it is, the different angles we have to take, um, the rising tide will still lift all boats. Love it. Campbell, you're next. I mean, I think I know this is more toward, you know, the kind of the industry, but I mean, I think it still holds true is that I, I, I 
I want everybody to know that's either a, a consumer or is in the industry to know how I think how much, you know, brewery, craft breweries and, and these small businesses across the state really do increase the quality of life for folks that are in these communities statewide. I mean, I, I just can't say it enough about these small communities I go to that don't have one that when I visit and when I tell people, you know, what I do, and who I work for, they're like, man, that would be awesome if we had somewhere to take the kids on a Saturday to where, you know, me and my wife could go and have a beer or have a retirement party. I mean, that really is what it, what it's, what it's kind of going to. And what I've seen is kind of the novice in the industry with craft brewing scene. So that would be my biggest takeaway is just, uh, you know, the community support that these businesses provide to these local communities. Um, I think is it, it goes unnoticed sometimes. And I think that we as a guild need to do a better job of highlighting that. No, I would love to hear more of those highlights for sure. Campbell, thanks for sharing that. Terry. Last one. Yeah. yeah. I echo what those guys just said. Um, but I, I think Joe, since they took the serious ones and, and I agree with everything they said, I'll, I'll do the joke. Um, we are not North Carolina. So we, you mentioned earlier, it's, we're just, we're, there's not just Carolina. Uh, I believe we, I believe that South Carolina has our own identity. Our beers are different. Um, our flavor profiles are different. And there's a lot of creativity coming out of this state from a beer perspective. And uh, we're excited to, to share all of that with everybody who comes here, which incidentally, we have great tourism. So come come visit our state and drink our great craft. Love it, Terry. Well, I'll let the Guild of Carol North Carolina respond to that when we host them in a few months. I'll look forward to that. Now I'll put you one more time against your neighbor to the south, Georgia. You know, what's so special about South Carolina peaches? That's oh. better than Georgia peaches. Why? I didn't say they were better. I said right. we. I, I didn't say they were better. I said we make we we produce more. I believe is actually a real statistic, um, as, as is evidenced by the the uh, peachoid uh, water tower in Gaffney, South Carolina. So if you're ever driving by before, there you go. Uh, also looks like a big rear end, but you know, um, <laughs> if you were born and raised here, it's the butt. Uh, but, um, yeah, we just make more of them. I'm not going to claim that they're better. I'm just going to say we produce more. That's still a strong claim to make. And I, I like it, Furious. Congratulations on that one. <laughs> so I know I'm excited to hang out with you three in December at CBP Connects over December 4, 5, and 6. So if anyone listening wants to come hang out with us, learn more about South Carolina beer and experience Charleston, which I know I'm very much looking forward to. That's going to be December 4, 5, and 6. But Pierce, Campbell, and Terry, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share what's going on in South Carolina beer. So I'll see you soon. Everybody have a great day. Thanks Cheers. for doing it, Andrew. Thank you. Bye, appreciate it. Thank you for listening and being an important part of our community. Please hit the subscribe button to stay on top of more sessions that can help you grow as a craft beer professional. And join us for more conversations in our community on Facebook. We appreciate you. Cheers.